morning, everyone. Oh, I'm just, it was hard for me to get up here because worship was so good. Wouldn't you agree? So good. And Courtney's prayer just ministered to my heart like no other. So thank you, sister, for that. Um, gosh, yeah, all emotional in that worship. So whew, here we go. If you don't know who I am and you're like, gosh, who's this emotional person they let up on the stage? Um, I am Shelly Zulsdorf, and I get to hang out with all our emotional teenagers. So um, <laughs> that's, I'm the associate pastor of Student Ministries. I love what I get to do, and I'm honored to be able to share this morning um, with you all. We're wrapping up our series. I think there's two more weeks um, left, and then we start Advent. Can you believe that? Advent's almost here, but we're doing this series called The Call, um, where we are looking at a life of discipleship. And we are right now in the part of this series where we're looking at what does it mean to become a disciple maker, to become a disciple maker. And as I begin this morning, I want to give you all an image that will be helpful throughout the rest of my sermon. Um, Because this morning, I want to talk about raising the spiritual temperature of every room that we walk into. And so when I think of like raising the spiritual temperature, I think of something that we tell our leaders all the time, and we tell them to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. And because when we have student, in student ministry, as much as I'm a control freak and I like to control all the unexpected, that, that just never happens. Like if you're a teacher or you're a parent, you know the, you never know what you're gonna get walking into your house or into your classroom. You never know with teenagers, the emotions that they may bring, the struggles that they may be facing, how they may come in a room. And it could be easy for us to just get down on what they're feeling, their emotions, and get down on their level. Um, but we have to be a little bit more, we ask our leaders to be a thermostat and not a thermometer in those moments. As well as if you ever go on a trip with us, and I, I, Ben and I plan out details, I plan for everything that could go wrong, but in every good youth ministry trip, something goes unplanned. And it's whether someone gets sick, a speaker wasn't what we thought they would be, someone, things, details go, flat tires, all the things that could happen, they happen on youth trips all the time. And, it's, and we really encourage our leaders to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. Now you're probably going, okay, so Shelly, got it. You tell them this all the time, but what does that mean? What does that mean for us today? Well, when you think about it, both a thermostat and a thermometer, they both deal with temperature, the temperature of the room, but they have completely different purposes, okay? So the thermometer is reactive to its environment. It is only, it increases or decreases in temperature based on what is happening in the environment. It has no control. It is simply just taking the temperature of what is happening, and it's reactive to that. Um, It doesn't have any ability to impact its surroundings. It just simply goes with what's already happening. Versus a thermostat is intentionally set. Like at our house, if you come, it's intentionally set at 68 degrees. And so we might cool it down or warm it up depending on what's happening, but you choose to lower or raise it based on what is needed in a room. You choose to lower or raise it based on what it needs in a room. So it sets the tone. It changes the feel of a space. It has full control for how everything is being felt in there, for setting it up well. So when we ask our leaders to be a thermostat, we're asking them not to be reactive, not to be reactive to whatever's happening, whatever is going wrong, whatever is not going as planned, or the emotions that come in, we're saying, let's not be reactive to that. 
Instead, a lot of times, especially if something doesn't go as planned, we pull our leaders aside and say, okay, we get to set the tone right now. We get to set the tone. If you are freaking out and emotional, they will be freaking out and emotional. And so we ask them, this is where you're going to be a thermostat. You set the tone, the emotion, the conversations from here on out. Let's be a thermostat, not a thermometer. So I want you to have that picture in your head because I want to encourage you this morning to think of your life in more of how can I be a thermostat in all the spaces of my life instead of a thermometer? How can I intentionally raise the spiritual temperature in all the relationships, all the spaces that I live in and be more intentional of that instead of reacting to my environments? And so I want to look at a few verses here in Colossians 3 this morning for us to understand how we can raise the spiritual temperature. You're going to see it on the screen because they're short verses, so you don't need to bring your Bible out unless you want to. Um, But Colossians 3, 1 to 2, here's what it says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. When I read this passage, I'm really struck with how we have this new life in Christ. We have this new life. That's the first thing is you have been raised to a new life with Christ. But our new life with Christ gives us a new vision, a new things that we set our sights on in our life. And that's what, I mean, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we have this new life in Jesus. We just sang that song, I Surrender, where it says, Lord, have your way with me. We're saying, gosh, you have given me this new, rich life with you. And so now I want you to guide my vision, to guide my sights on what you want me to do. It's not a partial change. It's a change where we're learning more and more every day, but it's a whole life change. Everything that we see and do gets to change because we're connected to the one who has defeated death, the one who died on the cross and rose again. We are connected to him. And so our new life comes with a new vision for our lives and the world around us. We don't get to really see things the same thing that we have, the same ways that we have before. And it's kind of like uh, getting glasses for the first time, which when I got glasses in seventh grade, um, so I feel like in the middle of the bell curve sometimes for people getting glasses. Um, and I had grown up through seventh grade, I had grown so accustomed to life being blurry. Like I got, because it happened slowly over time, I grew so accustomed to life being blurry. And it got to the point where I was like squinting to like read the, the whiteboard and the chalkboard. My mom would ask for like what street signs were and I was just squinting just a little bit more. And I, I just couldn't see. I just, it was getting blurrier and blurrier. And it didn't, I didn't think it was a really big deal until I was in a horse competition. Of course, not the schoolwork wasn't a big deal. It was the horse competition. Um, and I was doing what's called cross country, where you're jumping fences out in the middle of the open. They're like logs and chicken coops and water fence. It's like super fun, but the fences are so spread apart and you have to know your course. You also have to know how the fences are numbered with your color and your numbers. And so, and I started riding the course and it was going great. And then I got to a section where I had to go really far to the next fence. And I was like, I don't know, I can't see anything. I like, I I couldn't memorize it well anymore. And so I ended up jumping the wrong fence and I got disqualified and had to get off the course right away. And it, it hit me where it was like, okay, this isn't working anymore. 
this isn't working anymore. And so my, my parents, with the push of my trainer, was like, I think she needs glasses. And the moment, the moment I put those glasses on, oh, I like couldn't believe how clear the world was. Like it is phenomenal, the joy of having clarity, looking around and seeing people's faces instead of just guessing what their faces look like. It was something totally new. And, and before I had just grown so accustomed to the blurriness of life, this is, what, this is what life looks like. But then when I got glasses, I had this whole new vision. I could see things clearly for the first time and it allowed me to engage with the world so much differently. Well, through Christ Jesus, we are given a new vision with so much clarity. We are giving a new kind of way to live our lives. We have a new purpose, a new understanding because we are connected to him and he gives us this new vision for what life looks like. And this, when you read this passage, it says how this new vision comes about is we set our sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So we have this new vision, this new clarity where we aren't just going through our life, but now we are centering ourselves on the hope of Jesus. Our new vision is not just, oh, I show up, I wake up, I work, I go and I do things for my family and I do all this. No, now we walk through our days and we have this vision of going, Jesus is king. Jesus is king, and so I can live my life with this new clear vision, seeing him king in every space, every relationship that I have. We have this new vision, and we are no longer just existing and moving through the world, but instead we get to live our ordinary lives in ways with an extraordinary purpose connected to the king who's seated in heaven. That's when we are fixing our eyes on heaven. We're just saying, this is what you have done, Jesus. And so now I can live this new life because of you. So every hour, every task, every interaction, every relationship is an opportunity that we get to declare that Jesus is king. We get to walk into every space and interaction, and we then get to help people see that as well. We get to help people move towards Jesus, the king who wants to give them a new life as well. And I want to look a little bit more Colossians. There's a lot in between the verse I read and then the next part I'm going to read. And I want to encourage you to read that on your own because there's some good stuff there. But gosh, I do not have a whole sermon to cover that. But I I want us to look a little bit more in the next, um, in two other verses in Colossians 3 that help us understand this new way of living and what this looks like, this new vision that we have. And it's, here's what Colossians 3, 16 through 17 says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Let it fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, Or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Gosh, that that is so good. Let it fill your lives. The richness of who God is, the richness of this new life. Let it fill all the spaces of your lives. Let, Let you be a representative of all that he has to offer. And so I read this and I'm really challenged to allow the richness of Christ to just fill 
every part of my life. And if we are then, if that's gonna be the case, then we are then to see that every moment in our life is a holy encounter to represent Christ. Every moment. And maybe that feels a little intimidating, but I just, to me, it feels almost freeing. It's like I get to allow Jesus to give me this new life, to richly fill my life, and then I get to bring that into every space in my life. And so this means, this means in moments when you're at work and your boss is so frustrating to you that day, and gosh, it would be so much easier to gossip or tear them down or fight back. What would it look like for that moment to be a holy encounter to represent Christ, or you are driving home, or driving and running errands, you're in a rush, and you get in a fender bender, and it just totally wrecks your day. What would it be for that moment to be a holy encounter to represent Christ? Or you're checking out at the grocery line. This is one of my favorite things to just observe how frustrated people get in the long lines at, especially Novato Safeway right now, that they're remodeling, so it's long lines. But the way that people get so frustrated, but what would it be like for us waiting in that line with our actions, maybe our words, to see this as a holy encounter, to see the person who's checking us out at the grocery store and to be representative of Christ in that moment when maybe they're overwhelmed. Or maybe I just wanna give one more example of just seeing every moment as this holy encounter to represent Christ. Maybe it's when you're doing your laundry changing your baby's diaper, all those daily things you do in your house, the daily tasks, they get to also be holy moments. They get to be moments when you get to represent Christ, to see this as a moment where you're like, okay, Jesus, in this task and what I'm doing, fill my life with your richness and teach me how to be your representative in this moment. And I've been really challenged by this in the last couple of years um, to see every ordinary moment, the ones that I don't even think are big deals, the ones where I'm like, just, I do it mindlessly, but to pause and stop and think about, gosh, how could this be used to fill my life richly? I I got a book from um, Anna, one of my friends, Anna, and it's called Every Moment Holy. And it's a book of prayers But it's not just your typical book of prayers of asking God for things or um, teaching you how to uh, learn about God's truth. It's more prayers where they go, all these daily tasks we're gonna write a prayer for. We're gonna write a prayer for before you change a diaper. We're gonna write a prayer for that first sip of coffee in the morning. We're gonna, my favorite was, we're gonna write a prayer for when you're not feeling so great. Maybe your health is still good, but you have a cold. We're gonna write a prayer for that. And the last year, um, when I was home with COVID, I was frustrated um, because we were supposed to go and visit family and we couldn't. And Ben and I were sick and we're sitting at home and I read this prayer on a prayer for a sick day. And gosh, when I took that pause, when I took this moment, that's just an ordinary moment. We all get sick. We all have that. And I sat in this prayer and this prayer used that time to remind me of those that are maybe more sick than I am, those around me that are maybe struggling more than I am. This prayer made me settle in and remind me of what God has given me, but remind me of how I can come alongside others. 
That's what I'm saying. Every moment is a holy encounter to represent Christ. It means every moment we get to allow God to use it to minister to our hearts. But then every moment gets to be a moment that we get to represent that richness that we experience, that new life that we experience, that new vision that we have, that Jesus is king. And we get to show through our words and our actions. That's what this verse says, through our words and our actions, who he is and to declare that in all the spaces and relationships that we interact with all throughout our day. Not just Sunday or your devotional time one hour in the morning, but every moment, every ordinary mundane moment gets to be a moment that you get to show this extraordinary purpose, this extraordinary new life. And I want this morning, I wanna give you just a few, I wanna give you three practical ways for you to try this, for you to live this out, for you to be able to learn how, ways to set the thermostat in your heart. For you to be able, when you walk into these spaces, have the thermostat set where you're like, gosh, I'm gonna raise the spiritual temperature in this room instead of being reactive to the environment and what's happening. And these are three ways that I have found helpful. You might actually have five more that you have found helpful. Um, I've been just diving into stories of um, our brothers and sisters for the last 2,000 years, and I've found some themes for me that have been really helpful with how do I set the thermostat in my heart to remember this purpose that I have to, to raise the spiritual temperature in every room. And so three things I just wanna offer you to consider to maybe try um, that might be helpful for you. And the first, it's gonna feel easy, but it's so significant. It's, it's the most significant part, is to ground yourself in Christ. If there's one thing, if you read the Bible, there's one thing that is the biggest theme to me that's almost encouraging, is that we are forgetful people. In the Bible, they are forgetful people. Like, it is, it is so encouraging to me to go, oh, I'm not alone. Like, we're all kind of our own dories from Finding Nemo's where we easily forget. It's so, like, for all of us, that's the way. Even those where you may look and go, gosh, they've been walking with Jesus for a long time. They've got it all together. They, they're so mature in their faith. They are also easily can be forgetful. They, uh, we, each and every one of us, each, even as the pastoral team, we are easily forgetful of our new life in Christ, of our new vision, of that we can live this new way, of all of who God is. It's so easy to be forgetful. And so grounding yourself in Christ is almost an hourly thing. It's almost an every hour reminding yourself who God is. It's waking up that first morning and starting your day with Jesus and asking him to help you. It's engaging in spiritual practices um, that reminds you of who God is, of who your, your new life in Christ is. And if you're sitting there, you're like, I don't know where to start. There's all sorts of spiritual practices. Maybe it's praying throughout your day. Or remember when Jeff, I don't, for those that were here, there was a time Jeff had to set our alarm at noon and your alarm would go off for you to pray a short little prayer. There's all these easy practices that we can engage with. And if you're really struggling with, I don't know where to start, what's sweet is Marin Covenant does um, what's these monthly spiritual formation exercises that are kind of like these hidden gems on our website under the resource page. Um, but it's a different spiritual exercise every month that grounds you, grounds you in Christ throughout your day. 
And you get to, what's fun is you get to try different things. You get to try different ways to um, connect with God and remember God. And maybe if you try it the next couple months, you may find a way that's like, gosh, this works for me. This works for me to remember Jesus throughout my day. And even more, grounding ourselves in Christ also means that we have to be surrounded by community. Gosh, we need each other. Jesus made it so clear that we cannot do this alone. He made it clear that we need to be helping one another, that we need to be praying for one another, that we need to be reaching out to each other, encouraging one another throughout our days with prayer or encouragement. We need to be keeping each other accountable. That's why we push small groups. That's why we push being together is because we need to help each other. We need to help each other to remember to ground ourselves in Christ. I love that Jesus did not make our faith just this, this lonely, just you, individual faith, but it's a communal faith where we help one another. And so grounding ourselves in, in Christ is figuring out what spiritual practices are gonna work for us to remind us throughout the day about Jesus. And then it's also having people that can remember or remind us to, grind, to ground ourselves in Christ. So that's the first way to raise, raise a way to set the thermostat in your heart. A second way um, that has been another really challenging way is to pause and listen. Pause and listen, to practice that. We live in such a busy life, a loud life, that it's easy to go through our day and for it to be super blurry by the end of the day where all we wanna do is just watch Netflix because we're exhausted and tired and we just, I, this was a long day. But what would it look like for us to practice pausing and listening throughout our day? Because to, to find moments, holy moments, holy encounters with this new vision is to ask God to show you the holy encounters that are around you. But it's hard to ask him if we don't pause and stop for a moment. And if we aren't listening to him, because he is, he is with us, he has gone ahead of us. He is working in the lives around us to bring new life. He wants us to be a part of that. And so part of this pause and listening is asking God, okay, show me a holy encounter. Show me a moment, an ordinary moment that I would just brush by and think nothing of it. Or a person that I maybe have walked by a million times and think nothing of it. God, catch my attention catch my attention. And while God sometimes can really catch our attention, we also have to have moments where we pause and we go, okay, God, I'm listening. Where is it you want to take me today? Where is, who do you want me to see today that I didn't see? And a lot of times, because Jesus is all about people, his whole vision for us being king is so that others can know he's king, a lot of times the pause and listening is not just pausing and listening to God to prompt you to see the, the people around you or the people he wants you to encounter. It's pausing then and listening to the people that he directs your attention to. It's taking the time to sit and be present even amongst how busy our day is, but actually pausing and hearing their story, listening for the ways that God is moving in their life, and it's really easy, and I just have to say this, it's really easy to see someone and go, God put them on my heart, so I'm gonna just talk their ear off. 
Yeah, yeah, we're laughing because I do it. We all do it. Because that's almost more comfortable. It's harder for us to sit in silence or it's harder for us to just pause and listen to someone else. But I think, gosh, if we have that posture to pause and listen to where God is directing us and then to stop and actually be obedient and walk through and sit with that person that God has brought to our attention, gosh, it will change lives. And so we want to be practicing, pausing, and listening throughout our day. That's something that you can do throughout your day in different moments where you're like, okay, here's an ordinary moment. I'm going to take a different posture and pause this time instead of running through this, this, whether it's your commute or whether it's running through your office, but to actually slow down for a second to hear what God is wanting to show us. And the last, um, the last one that I want to just encourage you with um, to set the spiritual temperature in the room, because I think it's one of the greatest gifts we have received that then we get to give to others, which is forgive as forgiven people. Forgive as forgiven people. If we are to live out our new life in Christ, then we need to live as ones who are not weighed down by unforgiveness. We need to live as those that are not holding grudges towards others, or those that maybe need to walk through forgiveness but were too scared. We need to live in a way where we ourselves are offering what we have received. That's like the first thing that we have received is God's loving forgiveness. And so it's a gift to be able to offer that to others because that's our new life and our new vision is we get to bring that into other places. And here's what I, I realized. It's, it's really easy for us to either go, I'm, I hope that's going to work out or I'm just going to forget about it or I'm not going to really walk through forgiveness. I'm just going to let it be. But I have seen it over and over when you get face to face with someone, when someone that maybe you have hurt or have been hurt by it, and you have a conversation of understanding with humility to go, gosh, where maybe have I done wrong in this? And you walk through forgiveness with one another. It is a game changer. And I think it is a game changer because it is disarming and it is the greatest way to love others because you are now giving them, in that forgiveness, you are giving them the freedom to choose to live a new life as well as for yourself. And so you now get to offer that in such a gracious, humble way, and it changes everything. And all, every time I have done it, the relationship has changed. We may not be the tightest or closest. You may have to have some boundaries, but to have forgiveness, to offer that, is something that is so unique to the church and to the Christian life. It's a unique way that we get to love others And that, to me, is good news. That's the new vision and the new life is we don't have to live the old way, the unforgiving way, the way where we hold grudges or we just think it's going to go away. We actually get to bring into spaces and places the healing, redemptive, loving work of Christ, that he is king. He is king in our workplaces. He is king in our homes. He is king in our communities. He is king even in our broken relationships. He is king. And so I, as good representatives, I think, gosh, if we can forgive as forgiven people, if we can live out our new identity, then we will be representing something totally new to this world. We will be raising the spiritual temperature. We will be setting the tone in every room and relationship. And I want to invite the band to come out because we're going to worship. 
we're gonna worship and this next worship song is so good because it's asking us for God to give us his vision. It's a prayer that we get to pray and I wanna encourage us to pray it because it, for me, there's, it is so important that we not just think about our lives with Christ, but that we actually start to live it out into every space, our new life. I had um, someone recently say, they're like, gosh, I wish Christians actually looked more joyful, that they actually looked like they had the joy of the Lord, as if they could interact with people as if they are forgiven. Our students are watching us. They are watching to see if what we think and believe is actually being lived out. Because they know if it's being lived out, that's what changes things. You could talk someone's ear off, but it's not until you have that representation where the richness of Christ, the new life, the new vision is then changing every space that they get to their see that Jesus is king, is real, and it changes lives. So I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna worship and I want that to be maybe a prayer that you begin to ask God, gosh, make me aware. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for all of who you are. I pray that you give us new life, that you give us a new vision on how to live, that we get to live our ordinary lives with this extraordinary purpose of declaring who you are with our words and our actions. So Jesus, make us aware of every holy encounter that you have before us. Make us um, aware and allow us to listen and pause in every day to ground ourselves in you all throughout our day, Lord, and to live as people who have been given forgiveness and joy and compassion and mercy. May we be those representatives to every space around us. May we be a thermostat that sets the tone that's not reacting, but actually is living out what you have showed us. So we love you, Jesus, in your awesome and truly precious name. Amen.